6.30, and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. This is 990 WDEO, Ypsilanti, Detroit, or on the Internet at WDEO.net. Christian in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being with us. Let's get going talking about some of the things that matter most. You've heard the phrase, uh, I'm spiritual but not religious. Over the last generation, that's become cliche. But it does mask an actual contact point that we have in sharing the gospel. It's human nature for us to yearn for something uh, beyond ourselves, beyond this world. And yet, people remain skeptical of organized religion. Uh, That's why they come up with the phrase, I'm spiritual but not religious. How can we use that phrase to actually attract people to the fullness of the faith. Father John Bartunik, my guest, also coming up, we'll be taking a look at the upcoming Red Rose Mass that's taking place through the Lansing Guild, Lansing Mission Guild, of the Catholic Medical Association. It's coming up a week from tomorrow, uh, March 18th, and we're going to be joined by Dr. Rusty Shavey to share with us what the Rose Mass is about, its history, and why it's important to maintain that fellowship among Catholic healthcare professionals. We're also going to take time today to look, of course, at the Gospel reading, which we try to do uh, every week uh, before Sunday. Peggy Stanton will be my guest. We'll look at Jesus' meeting with the woman at the well, the famous exchange between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And then uh, we're going to be joined by Jay Richards on fasting, a Christian guide to fasting. It's not only, of course, a penitential discipline, it's also a benefit for our health. We not only can heal our body, uh, fasting can help uh, feed our soul. So all that's coming up on today's Crest in the Afternoon. And let me throw in uh, something that's going to be coming up, and that uh, Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio have been cooperating on creating some long-form interviews, 90 minutes, uh, two hours. We have one on Christian Universalism with uh, Dr. Ralph Martin and uh, Michael McClymond. We also have one now on being awake, not woke with Noel Maring, and those will be available very soon. I just wanted to tip you off that they're in production. We'll have them available. Right now, though, let's get the headlines. Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Friday, March 10th. It's the Feast of St. John Ogilvy. Today's news brought to you by Visiting Angels, providing love and care and assistance for seniors in need at visitingangels.com. At least eight people are dead, and several more are injured after a mass shooting in Germany. Local media reports say that it happened at a church in the northern city of Hamburg, where more than two dozen people were believed to be shot. The suspect is believed to be dead. Residents nearby have been told not to leave their homes. At least 13 people are dead after a fierce snowstorm in southern California's San Bernardino Mountains. 
Sheriff's Department there says investigations into the deaths continue as they try to confirm if they were all weather-related. California is preparing for more winter storms and floods after weeks of heavy snow. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is in the hospital being treated for a concussion. NBC's Ryan Noble says McConnell's absence could affect the work of the Senate. There's a lot at play here for McConnell. He is one of the most powerful members of the United States Senate, certainly the most powerful Republican. How long he is out will really dictate just how big of an impact this has on the business of the United States Senate. The Kentucky Republican tripped and fell at a dinner event Wednesday night in Washington, D.C. Saudi Arabia is reportedly seeking guarantees from the United States in exchange for normalizing relations with Israel. The New York Times reports Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and officials won a civilian nuclear program and security assurances from President Biden. Fewer restrictions on U.S. arms sales is also on the list. Stocks fell once again after federal regulators locked the doors of a California-based bank. Silicon Valley Bank stock has lost 60% of its value in a little more than a day after it was unsuccessful at raising funds. The bank is the 16th largest in the country and the first FDIC-insured institution to fail this year. At the close, the major indices are down over 1%. From your Alvin Maria Radio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. To you, I'm Al Cresta. You've probably all heard the uh, the phrase uh, "I'm spiritual, not religious." In fact, it's been being used for quite a while now, and it's attained some uh, new prominence because one of the people uh, striving to become the Democratic candidate for presidency, Marianne Williamson, is very much embodies this whole idea of being spiritual but not religious. Uh, she made her reputation many, many years ago involved with the Course in Miracles movement, and she's gone on to write uh, in what we would call kind of a new agey uh, spirituality. But that's a phrase which uh, she has tried to embody her whole life. Now, it's interesting that she doesn't seem to be getting much political bang for it. But certainly in popular culture, the phrase spiritual but not religious has often been used to kind of dodge deeper, more spiritual, more more doctrinal approaches to the faith. Um, And yet, it does say something. It says that the person still has aspirations for something beyond themselves. Uh, My guest, Father John Bartunek, is the author of Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World. And Father, good to have you back here. Thanks. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, By the way, what have you been up to? (laughs) Well, besides writing that book, I'm continuing to... Uh, to spend a lot of my time um, kind of producing formation materials. We've, I've been doing some online retreats, kind of do-it-yourself retreat materials okay. online. Uh, and recently I was named superior of my religious community, so that's kind of put some new things on my plate. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, as well. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure. What do we mean by spiritual? What do we mean by religious? Yeah, well, these are the key terms, right, in, the, in, in that phrase. It's interesting. Uh, I, as you mentioned, people have been using this phrase for a long time. I'm spiritual but not religious. But the last few years, I kept, I've, I've been running into it more frequently. It's back, people okay. People saying it a lot. Yeah. So, and that was kind of, and I started to kind of reflect on why that was happening. And then I start, you know, a lot of times when people use that phrase in a conversation with a priest, it's kind of like a shield. Yeah, hey, right, Father, right. I'm spiritual, but, but I'm not religious, so don't talk to me about religion. 
so but it kept coming out kept coming up more frequently so i started to kind of dig into it a little bit when people would use it and i said wow so so you're actually you're spiritual well, tell me about your spiritual experiences amen yeah and mm. that opened the door to some amazing conversations and what i discovered is and you know obviously i can't speak for everyone but in general when people say that uh, they're saying so spiritual meaning i have experienced something mm -hmm. that i can't explain merely you know with material uh, material things i've experienced in my own soul a touch of transcendence yep. that has moved me and changed me and i want more of it amen so when people say i'm spiritual right that's what they're and then unfortunately when they say not religious what i found is that a lot of these people have encountered other people who who claim to be religious maybe they go to church they follow the rules they know their doctrine but they don't show any signs of being spiritual of being on this journey of encountering what's transcendent and being excited about that right. and so they don't want to become religious because they well, if I become religious, I'm going to have to stop being spiritual, according to their own understanding. That's right. Now, of course, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where those terms are being used, at least in my experience. Yeah, I, I, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I think when people say, I'm spiritual, not religious, I, I think that it means that they have something they've experienced, or at least that they aspire to experience, and somehow they've concluded takes place uh, not necessarily within the bounds of organized religion and they've often met people who claim to be uh, whatever uh, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist uh, and these people didn't, don't seem to be sensitive to uh, what this one person would think is as spiritual they, they seem to be, the religious person seems to be hobbled by uh you know conformity rules uh so is that something that catholics in particular have to be careful about because we do have a very you know deep doctrinal religion we also have a very um carefully thought through you know canon law that people conform to Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, kind of like we always have to be kind of aware as Catholics as we live our faith that there's a danger of us becoming kind of like the Pharisees, yep. you know, who were, who were experts in religion, but it seemed like their actual, their actual relationship with God had atrophied. Yep. And so they weren't yep. able to recognize God's presence even in Jesus, right, even in God himself. So that's always a danger for us. But I think the, what, I, what I try to do in this book, and the tone of this book is a little bit different than some of the other ones I've written, I try to, to say, okay, well, look, if our, our society is post-Christian, so the default position for popular culture and for people in general in our society is that they, they think Christianity has been tried and hasn't worked, that's and right. that God is basically irrelevant, right? right? So that's the default position. But they want to be spiritual. Like, I've never met anyone who doesn't want to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. So... So and and some of them have had this experience of transcendence in some form or another. So in the conversation and and the approach I take in the book is that well let's start there with that spiritual experience, and let's ask the next logical questions. If you've had that experience that fills you and touches you in a deep way, a way that's much more fulfilling than you know a typical material pleasure or even a material achievement then you automatically want more of it. So you begin to ask some questions if you're honest with yourself. Well, where does this transcendence come from? What's the source of it? And 
how can I adjust my life so that I live in deeper harmony and a deeper communion with it? Right. So those questions, if you're honest and you try, you begin to pursue the answers to those questions, you are transitioning from being merely spiritual to being religious, mm-hmm. because those questions are religious questions. What, where does the transcendence come from? All the religions answer that question with their doctrines. Right. And how can I live more in harmony with this deeper sense of meaning and transcendence that I've experienced? Those are the religious doctrines about moral behavior and worship and prayer. So being sincere when you have a spiritual experience will put you on a path where you're going to discover uh, the deeper religious truth. So there's a connection there uh, that I'm hoping that this book can help people make. Let me bring up a small problem that I've encountered now and then in sharing uh, the faith with people. Uh, People will say that they're spiritual or that they've had an experience. And in, in some cases, the experience is tied to what I think could honestly be called superstition. Um, uh, how do you how do you move from that? I mean, uh, you don't want to uh, form the the superstitious component of this thing, but the person you know really believes that they've been in touch with some you know invisible agency or a coordinated event uh, by God. How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think that that's a good question. I, there's a section in this book where I talk about the difference between superstition and religion, yeah. authentic religion. And uh, in general, when you kind of look at the history of religion, uh, the, the main difference is that superstition is the acknowledgement or even the belief in kind of transcendent powers or spiritual powers, uh, but without having a relationship with that, with a, the, a personal ah, God. So okay. it's religion without relationship. Yep. Right? So, okay. So I think, you know, in those conversations, when someone seems to kind of have that spiritual sensitivity, which could be a little superstitious, again, it's, it's going back to having them talk about their own experience and begin to reflect. If they've experienced something true or good or beautiful and it's moved them deeply, you reflect, well, why would it move you deeply? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that, that you're created to actually right. live in relationship with the source of that? So, so that would be the difference between spirit, uh, superstition and religion, and I think it is an important point to be able to talk about and to be able to recognize. People who have experienced this transcendence do want more of it, too. That really works uh, for us, doesn't it? I mean, they, it is something they want to have happen again. Oh, yeah, and that's, and that's because that's what we're made for. Right. We're created right. to live in communion with God, and, and that's where we find our happiness. So when we experience truth and goodness and beauty uh, in this world or through this world or through different different events that happen in our lives, it resonates at the deepest level of our souls. And so we want more. We want more. Now, it's a little bit, it, it can be, uh, not everyone continues the search, right? And that's kind of an interesting question to reflect on. Someone might have a spiritual experience and just want to stay there uh, and kind of accept it, but not not begin the search for a deeper kind of connection with the source of that. Uh, and that, that's a, another difficult. I think one of the reasons that people might stop uh, and not continue the search is just, you know, our fallen nature, we, we tend to be lazy, you know, and a search always requires effort, right? So right, right. Uh, I might not want to engage in that effort. Um, but if we can, you know, access the fact, well, well but didn't, wasn't that, didn't that move you in a, in a way that, that you'd like to live more regularly on that level? Well, yeah, okay, well, then let's keep going. Let's keep moving forward. Where are the areas in popular culture today 
that people are most apt to uh, tie to this experience of transcendence? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. I think, uh, actually, I think a lot of popular culture today is working against um, these kind of, of authentic spiritual experiences. Uh, so let me start there because I think you know the the fast, the incredibly fast pace of life that yeah. we have, yeah. and then this unbelievable kind of lava flow of information and and no, just noise and images and stories, the social media, the digital culture that can keep us on the surface of life. And you know the experience of truth, goodness, and beauty usually happens at a deeper level. Uh, in the context of maybe getting out of the rat race and pausing and having time to reflect and to really encounter reality the way God made it to be. So our super fast-paced, super superficial culture uh, in, can work against that a lot. But we're still human beings. We're still created for this. So we thirst for it and we're open to it. What I found is that um, within popular culture, a place where people experience being moved very deeply uh, and emotionally but still very deeply and this can be a doorway to transcendent is in entertainment when you think about music when you think about uh great movies when you think about um other artistic expressions like you know even tv series um people are moved very deeply by those things and and sometimes that and i think there's there's some you know as in all great art there is a connection you know, to the actual structure of reality that God made for us. So art is an expression of the spiritual dimension of the human person. So when you have great art, it can really connect. So I think there's some doorways in popular culture uh, through that, through entertainment, through the beauty of music, through kind of more um, the artistic kind of framework. That's a place where people can, can begin to have this kind of spiritual experience. Father Holt, if you would, we're going to come back and continue conversation. Uh, talking about spirituality and entertainment a bit here, and uh, Father Bartunek, in the book, Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World, talks about the search for a happy ending. We'll come back and pick it up there. Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor, Pat Kelly Schaefer, who's celebrating the first birthday of her grandson, Simon Schaefer. He's a delightful bundle of joy and brings lots of laughter to our lives. Simon and his two brothers fill me with so much happiness. Bless you on your birthday and blessings throughout the year. Happy birthday, Simon, from all of us here at Ave Maria Radio. If you have a message you want to share, be a day sponsor at 877-288-1077. Support for this Ave Maria program comes in part by the not-for-profit St. Anthony Services. Shopping for insurance, mortgage products, Catholic health coverage, identity protection, or financial planning? StAnthonyServices.org can help you find a Catholic professional for all those and more. They regularly connect faithful citizens with faith-based professionals that share our Christian values. StAnthonyServices.org or 877-LIFE-US-1. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. 85% of kids raised in Catholic homes leave the church as adults. But similar research shows that there's hope. Help your kids cherish their Catholic faith in a new free webinar sponsored by Ave Maria Radio. Against the Odds, the Keys to Raising Faithful Catholic Kids. It's Wednesday, February 8th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it's free at catholichom.com slash webinar. That's catholichom.com slash webinar. 
This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. It's only been about a week into Lent, but have you stuck to your goals of fasting and prayer, or have you hit that spiritual roadblock? It's not too late. The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of penance. So if you need encouragement, join us again this week as Father John helps us get the most out of Lent. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. And now, a Meditation Minute from Father Gabriel Richard High School. I'm Joey, a senior, with a meditation on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. In this Gospel passage, Jesus casts out an unclean spirit from a man in the synagogue. Those who were in the synagogue were amazed by his authority and power. I think we sometimes forget how much Jesus is capable of. He is the omnipotent Son of God, second person of the Trinity. He defied death and saved us from our sin. This gospel is a reminder for us that Jesus can do anything. All we have to do is ask. Remember, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. I challenge you to think about one thing you need Jesus' help with today and ask for his strength. This Meditation Minute is brought to you by the students, faculty, and staff of Father Gabriel Richard High School. Visit fgrhs.org. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the United States. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while emphasizing how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, visit AveMariaLaw.edu. In Morse code, the sequence SOS is a distress call when someone's in trouble. It's been said that SOS stands for Save Our Souls. Well, right now, the world is in deep trouble, and we're putting out an SOS call for help. Will you answer the call? St. Paul Evangelization has hundreds of teams of evangelists that go out and share the good news with souls that are in danger of being lost. Visit StreetEvangelization.com and find a team near you so you can answer that distress call. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me is Father John Bartunek. He's the author of Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World. And we were discussing where is it that people, where's a commonplace where people today have some experience of transcendence, something uh, where they are aware that there's something greater than them, something better than them, some way that life could be different in a, in a positive way. And uh, one area is in the world of entertainment where there's tre- a tremendous amount of storytelling right now. Movies, for instance, novels. And one thing that comes up over and over again, especially in movie watching, is the wonderful experience of the happy ending. You write explicitly about that, Father. Elaborate a bit, would you? Sure. So in the context of, of great storytelling, and which has you know been a form of of art since very early in human history, we hear a story and we identify with the hero of the story, who is trying to achieve something good and worthwhile, but runs across all kinds of obstacles. So we identify with this character who has to go through conflict and maybe risk their lives in order to do something that's truly worthwhile. 
And when, when there's a resolution and a happy ending, when the good is achieved and the, the battle is won and the obstacles have been overcome, we experience some of the uh, satisfaction that is depicted in the life of the hero of the, of the story. Now, it's interesting, you say, well, why, why does that resonate so much with us? Why do we feel so good and sometimes so inspired when we get a great story with a, with a real happy ending? And I talk a little bit about books, philosophically speaking. In a sense, the story of humanity under God's providence, has a very similar structure. You know, we're created with a purpose, uh, and then the spiritual battle begins, even in the Garden of Eden. There's an enemy, there's obstacles to that purpose, uh, and then the story of salvation, the history of salvation, begins to unfold under God's guidance, and we're moving towards an ultimate happy ending. Those who have faith in Christ will live forever in perfect communion with God and with the saints. But in, in our real lives, we're always in the middle of the story. Until we die, or our Lord comes again, we are going to be in the middle of the story. So when we get a chance to, through entertainment, through a great, great literature or, or great drama, when we get a chance to see the whole story, a beginning, a middle, and an end, it kind of echoes deep in our hearts uh, the structure of reality and the mm. structure of the history of salvation that we actually experience. Yeah. So art can, be, uh, can stir up our hope and can inspire us to continue forward, even on a difficult path, pursuing what is truly good, through that, that resonance that it has with, our, with the, kind of the structure of reality and history of salvation. So, uh, with that in mind, let me bring up the question of suffering, because suffering calls into question that structure. Suffering often brings the threat of ultimate chaos, as well as, of course, pain. And a person doubts that maybe reality doesn't have this structure, uh, it, it, which uh, you know the story ends in light and love, rather than darkness uh, and alienation. So, but the Catholics, in particular, of course, are able to hold this together because our crucified Lord is also our Eucharistic resurrected Lord. But um, how do you help people who are doubtful? about the happy ending because they are afraid of suffering to come or because they have suffering imprinted on their own experience? That's a great question. There's a whole section in this book where I kind of explore this. Uh, there's, there's a lot I would like to say. See if I can keep my thoughts in order here. So kind of sticking with the structure of a story, when someone identifies or experiences the power of a great story in whatever art form it comes, there's always struggle and suffering involved before the final resolution. And so we can begin to reflect on that and we say, well, there's some, there's some meaning in that because we live in a fallen world, right? So as Catholics, we have certain theological understanding which helps us unpack these realities. But someone who might not have that worldview can still begin to reflect that the, the conclusion, the happy ending, is one of the reasons that it's so satisfying is because there was this opposition and there was virtue and perseverance that allowed the person mm -hmm. to, to kind of make it through that. So that's one point. But here's another point, I think, and, you know, you asked earlier, where do people in today's culture kind of, what's the, where are some doorways where they can go in and have a, an experience of transcendence? And I would say that suffering itself is one of those doorways. Because when we suffer, especially think about losing someone, a loved one, or uh, becoming very ill and being faced with your immortality, uh, that these, are, these can be, and in the history of humanity they've been, stimulants for us to think more deeply about our existence. To say, wait a minute, you know, all I, I had all these plans for how I was going to be happy in this world, and, and now they're, they're all thrown awry. Well, what does that mean? How, how do I deal with that? And someone who says, I'm spiritual but not religious, oftentimes is trying to create 
kind of some, some walls around their own spiritual experience, and they don't want to face the deeper truths that are hard to resolve, like what is the meaning of suffering and what is the meaning of death, really, right? Mm-hmm, right. So, so to be honest, to continue to search for uh, the deeper meaning in life that we all yearn for and that no one can deny that they thirst for, uh, we have to face that question. So that can be part of this journey to deeper meaning. Okay, I've got to, def- I've got to find the meaning behind that suffering. Uh, and we can accompany people. We can explain our own point of view. We can accompany them in the, midst, in the midst of their suffering and pray for them. And that experience of our own mortality and limitation can be, in a sense, a little springboard to open us up to what is truly transcendent, to God himself. Very good. Let me bring up another uh, roadblock here. So people have an experience of transcendence. They uh, are open to discussing it. But as you go along, they bring up this idea that, well, you know, ultimately all religions are the same, aren't they? I mean, people have experiences like this, and so there's lots of different paths, but ultimately everybody ends up at the same place because at root all religions are the same. How do you respond? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I love the chapter in the book where I talk about this because I, I give kind of a, a counterintuitive answer. You know, a typical answer for someone who's a believer in Christ is, of course, all religions are not the same. But the approach I take is a little bit more counterintuitive. I say, well, you know, that's very interesting. And I've had this conversation with real people in, right. you know, around airports and all kinds of places. I say, well, that's very interesting because, in one sense, all religions are the same. Because religions are trying to answer the deepest questions that we encounter in our mm-hmm. human hearts. Right. What's the meaning of life? Where am I going to be truly happy? What's, what happens after death? Where do we come from? All human beings, because of our human nature, we, we face those questions if we're honest with ourselves. So we all have the same questions. We have the same yearnings for, for answers and meaning to those deeper questions. So all religions have to ask those questions. And in that sense, all religions are the same. And that's why we see so many common points in the different religions in the history of humanity. Right. But when we're honest with ourselves as we look into those religions and how they answer the questions, we discover that they actually give different answers. Yeah, very good. All their answers are not the same. <laughs> and so all religions are different in that sense. And we have to, you know, we have to, if we're, if we're searching, we have to be honest and find an answer that truly satisfies yeah. our hearts. Yeah. So they are the same because they ask the same questions, but they're not the same because they give different answers. Uh, I'm I'm curious if uh, do you find that people are still asking questions about truth, or have has that been given up? Uh, the idea that uh, people in despair that there's no such thing as an ultimate truth. You have your truth, I have mine. Um, and those truths can be, incompa- you know, on the surface can be incompatible. Is there still a search for truth and meaning? Uh, uh, I know people have to have it somehow, but do they acknowledge it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think this is probably one of the one of the most uh, damaged parts of our of our you know modern Western yeah. culture, this post Christian culture. There's this breakdown, um, but it's not quite as as simple as we might think. Everyone, because of the, you know, we, we believe so strongly in the power of science and technology, and, uh, and in that realm, people acknowledge truth. It's still there. Like everyone, yeah. yeah, it's still there. I mean, I want my doctor to know the difference between my liver and my heart and my brain, <laughs> right? There's objective truth there, right? So, uh, and in science, you know, in the, 
uh, all the different sciences, everyone assumes, and when we have great faith in the ability to discover the truth and then to uh, kind of adjust technologically, adjust to these new truths that we discover. When it comes to the moral life and the religious life, religion is always connected to that, uh, there's a total disconnect, right, is what you just said. Um, there is no absolute truth. It's just whatever you feel and whatever the other person feels. That's what people say. That's the popular position. But no one really lives like that. Right, exactly. No one, you can't really, right? <laughs> because you say, well, no, you know, thou shalt not rape. Rape is wrong. No one should rape, right? That, right. And everyone agrees, right? So there are certain moral affirmations that we make, or thou shalt not destroy the earth, right? <laughs> you know, there's, there's moral affirmations that we're making all the time. So I want to, your question was very interesting. So there's this, that's the first thing, right? We have this faith in scientific truth, and we have this cynicism or this skepticism when it comes to moral truth. But you, you made the connection between truth and meaning. And the fact is, we are searching for meaning. Everyone is searching for meaning. And everyone is trying to construct their lives in such a way that they can feel that they're li living a meaningful life. Right? And yeah. so that, I think, can be a bridge. And well, where did that thirst for meaning come from? Yeah. And, you know, if just like I thirst for water, you know, the old, uh, the old um, you know, a lot of apologists through the, through the years have, right. this is I thirst for water, water exists right. to quench my thirst. If my human nature is a thirst for meaning, there must be something, the equivalent of water, that actually mm. satisfies my meaning. So that thirst for meaning can be a bridge to help them reflect on the, uh, on the deeper truths, even in the religious and spiritual realms. Father, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but this is a great conversation. And the book, Spiritual But Not Religious, we're going to have it available for listeners in our online bookstore. And uh, look forward to talking with you again. It won't be so long next time, I hope. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. This has been great. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Father. Father John Bartunek, Spiritual But Not Religious, The Search for Meaning in a Material World. Spiritual but not religious is one of those phrases that, uh, depending on your mood, can uh, represent an, uh, an open door for uh, spiritual conversation, or it can be considered a bit of an irritant. I mean, when people say they're not interested in organized religion, are they saying they want disorganized religion? But the point, I think, is clear. In our culture, spiritual or spirituality has the advantage of being, feeling open-ended, right? No rules, uh, very personal. And uh, it allows us, then, to ask the question, well, uh, oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to know that you're spiritual. What does that mean? Uh, what do you actually believe? And I do think that it's these are the way this is the way of doing evangelization, especially in the future, where it's going to be difficult to do proclamation. So what we're going to have to do is questioning, like uh, well, spiritual but not religious. I think I understand, but tell me what it is that as a spiritual person you actually believe. What do you really think? What do you think about human beings? What do you think about God? And listen. Let people talk. Let people begin to think uh, through this. Right now, we're living in a society in which people are not learning how to think, not learning how to really converse. We're caught in this deluge of information, and people are learning one-liners rather than learning to properly dialogue and understand one another. This book is a great help. Spiritual but not religious. The Search for Meaning in a Material World, Father Jarm Bartunek.
You're invited as Bishop Earl Boyer presides over the 25th Annual Rose Mass for Healthcare Workers, Saturday, March 18th at 4.30 at Christ the King in Ann Arbor. Afterwards, there'll be a dinner and discussion on the relationship between Catholic medicine, the media, and the impact on patients. Featuring Ave Maria Radio's Al Cresta and Father Peter Ryan. This takes place at Fox Hills Country Club near Plymouth. Go to cmalansing at gmail.com to purchase tickets. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. When I heard other business owners say they finally found someone in the credit card industry they can trust, I wondered how he could help me. So when Mark from Schistler CPC offered to show me where all the money goes for credit card processing with a free analysis of my business, I jumped on it. He reviewed how the industry works, where we could save, and offered a no-contract guarantee on savings and excellent customer service. I'm saving thousands of dollars a year. Schistler CPC. Trust in them. More information available on the Ave Maria website under Sponsor Business Directory. When you work from home, it can get a little lonely. I spent most of my adult career either in a buzzing newsroom, out on the streets covering stories, and in a county government building handling communications surrounded by dozens of co-workers I bumped into throughout the day. Well, running my company, Epiphany Communications and Coaching, it's just me and Jesus on most days. He, of course, is all around me, in my heart and soul, but it's his picture that sits on my mantle in my office that guides my day. I look at him and talk with him about my day, my frustrations, my clients, my goals, my little successes, and sometimes my sadness. That picture gifted to me by my cousin Jennifer keeps me focused and centered. That picture brings me peace and joy, even on my most stressful or dullest days. It's not just the beauty of that picture I love. It's because I know Jesus guides my thoughts and prompts my actions. He inspires my words and compels my heart. That picture reminds me Jesus is with me always. This has been a Christ Center communication message. I'm Vanessa Dunhagarmo, a communications evangelist and host of Epiphany. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio weekdays on Ave Maria Radio. God gave this country specific gifts that we cannot suppress. You can't suppress it. People will respond and they will fight back. And this is exactly what happens when people pull together, regardless of their political persuasions, their religious beliefs, and many people involved, obviously, were in our Christians. But we pull together for the dignity of the human person overall to make a difference. Pope John Paul II said, when freedom does not have a purpose, when it does not wish to know anything about the rule of law engraved in the hearts of men and women, which is exactly what's been happening in this country, when it does not listen to the voice of conscience, it turns against humanity and society. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tanya, weekday mornings from 8 to 10 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Beacon Skin and Surgeries is a comprehensive dermatology center on the border of Troy and Rochester Hills, south of M59 and in Dearborn, west of Telegraph. Beacon Skin and Surgeries perform full skin exams and focus on the diagnosis and treatment of all types of skin cancer and precancerous lesions. All are board certified dermatologists and fellowship trained surgeons. Call 248-852-1900. Beacon Skin and Surgeries, a beacon for patient care. 248-852-1900. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. 
Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Dr. Rusty Shavey, founder of Emmaus Health. He's also service chief for the Department of Family Medicines at the University of Michigan. He practices general family medicine, but has expertise in inpatient medicine and in complex chronic illness, most specifically cardiovascular disease. He's also a member of the board at Father Gable Richard High School. And uh, Rusty, good to have you here. Thanks. Thanks, Al. It's a pleasure to be here. We are here to tell people about this uh, event. It's the 25th Annual Rose Mass. This is uh, done under the auspices of the Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. I venture to say that a significant number of our listeners didn't know there was such a thing as a Catholic Medical Association or a Rose Mass. So give us some history. Sure. Interestingly, if you look back, the Catholic Medical Association at one point um, was one of the largest medical organizations in the country. And, of course, as has happened with the faith, you saw a shrinking of the membership. And I think at one point it was unclear if it would even remain. But it has really rebounded nicely. Uh, Now I think we're up to several thousand members. uh, And and typically, even at the national meeting, uh, they'll get very good turnout. Um, It's an organization of Catholic health care professionals. And I say that to distinguish it from the Association of of Catholic Health Care Institutions, like the hospitals and those organizations. Gotcha. So uh, this is health care professionals, and any Catholic health care professional who would like to come to this event would be welcome. It's not just physicians, but any health care professional could come. And really the idea is it's really about, in part, it's about fellowship, and it's about being aware of who the other Catholic healthcare professionals are. You may have neighbors or coworkers you don't even know. Yeah. This gives you an opportunity to meet them. And it's also about learning. Yeah. Um, and we typically have a speaker, and uh, we have a particularly uh, uh, expert panel of speakers this year, <laughs> uh, which we can talk about. In fact, maybe I should be interviewing you, Al, about uh, uh, the speakers. Well, Father Peter Ryan is very good. <laughs> but, uh, he is. Father Peter and I will be the speakers for this uh, discussion, and the focus is Catholic medicine in the media. Yes. Yeah, and I'm actually excited about being, you know, being part of this. It should be, by the way, the mass is at Christ the King uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then the dinner that follows is at Fox Hills Country Club. Uh, on North Territorial in Plymouth, and more information is available. Uh, we'll have it linked at our site at AveMariaRadio.net, and you can also register at cmalansing at gmail.com. Uh, so how how often is this, this is an annual event? It is. I yeah. still remember moving back to Ann Arbor, um, 1997, and uh, we had the uh, the beginnings of the desire to develop a guild, and we did. And really, one of our first events was a rose mass, okay. and we have done it every year since. Uh, and uh, I think it's been a great gathering. It's been an opportunity, as I said, for fellowship and for people to recommit uh, to the principles of Catholic health care. And certainly now, I think those principles are under greater assault than they uh, have ever been. And so it's an opportunity to figure out how other people are dealing with a, a culture that 
that's hostile to the faith and uh, and to develop fellowship and in this case to learn a little bit about uh, the media and how the media has handled some medical information, certainly coming out of COVID, yeah. but regarding other issues as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it, Catholic uh, healthcare workers at this time in our history. Uh, in the past, it, they were always regarded uh, uh, highly. Um, there was tremendous respect, but now being Catholic actually causes some people to wonder. If Catholic faith and the scientific practice of medicine are compatible, even absolutely, you know, and certainly from our faith perspective, faith and reason is is you know fundamental to yeah. our to our faith. Exactly. And the God who inspires science is the God who inspires faith, and they can't be in conflict with each other. But I think the practical understanding and application of that often gets lost. Yeah. Uh, that they really do need to to work well together. And uh, you mentioned about uh, healthcare professionals being revered. I think historically we have been. And in the first days of COVID, you know, the, those people who were going in to take care of patients yeah. were the heroes, yeah. our healthcare yeah. heroes. I'm not sure if that lasted very long uh, before the the politics set in. Yeah. And then everyone was, uh, was the, the reputation was, which side are you on? Uh, uh, and, just, and so, so often that's yeah. what happens. It becomes tribal. Yes. And it, it's no longer an attempt to um, establish truth or falsity. It's a matter of whose side are you on. Right. And the, 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 whole, the, the COVID experience has really been has done great damage, I think, uh, to the body of Christ and uh, to certainly to uh, American um, solidarity in general. Yeah, it's funny. I had a patient uh, who came in just loaded for bear, ready to unload about science and healthcare and and everything that he had. And, yeah. And as I was trying to to um, uh, describe both sides of it. He said, how can you be on both sides? And I said, well, because I get criticized by both sides. <laughs> and he stepped back. He said, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, this is one of those situations now where even in this, <clears throat> this uh, field, which is uh, exists for the alleviation of human suffering, even that task has now been... Um, uh, stained by politicization, and uh, that's obviously what we're trying to avoid uh, in our conversation. Yeah, and and there, you know, the distrust of science existed prior to COVID. Yeah. But COVID and and the media and so forth hastened that. Um, and I, I see patients who formerly would get flu shots, for example, yeah. who no longer want to get them. So this yeah. is not just suspicion about the COVID vaccine, but about flu shots. I have patients who no longer want to take their medication for diabetes or hypertension because they don't trust the healthcare field and the, the medical profession. Yeah. And and so I think the way things were portrayed in the media yeah. uh, really uh, made this much harder for us. Yeah. Yeah, and in, again, you have the opioid crisis, yes. uh, which again uh, physicians uh, take some of the blame for. I mean, I, I part of, and I think maybe part of this too is that we have extravagant expectations for what we expect from the medical establishment. Um, you know, when the CDC made a mistake early on, uh, that kind of 
in many people's minds, that was unforgivable. There was no awareness that we're all, we were all facing uh, an open-ended situation here. We're not entirely certain how this is going to play out. And it was as though the CDC somehow should have known ahead of time what could only be known through experience. Right. And I don't, yeah, I don't fault anybody for yeah. the mistakes they made early on. Right. In fact, you and I may have had this conversation, but but I look at some of those mistakes as hustle fouls. You know, you may have somebody yeah. on the basketball court who's not very talented, but they're trying really hard yeah. and they just have some hustle fouls. You can kind of accept those. And I can accept the hustle fouls of anybody in public health or medicine at the early part of the COVID uh, epidemic. Yeah. Uh, and pandemic, but as you as we went on, politics wasn't just uh, the perception. I think what we're seeing to some degree is it became the reality yeah. of the message that was distributed by the media, right. and that really made it much harder. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And actually, I'll be referring to those things uh, in my presentation. I suspect that Father Peter will be uh, doing something similar. And he's also going to talk, Al, about the, the, sort of the Catholic theology of the, of the image of the person. And so as we think about health care and what we're hearing from the media about uh, a, vari- a wide variety of different topics, how does the Catholic perception, the theology of the self, how does that play out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking to uh, Dr. Rusty Shavey. He is uh, here talking about the upcoming annual Rose Mass. This is the 25th. It's the Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. And uh, it's coming up Saturday, March 18th at 4.30 p.m. There'll be Mass at Christ the King uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Then there'll be a dinner and discussion afterwards at Fox Hills Country Club. Uh, I'll be making a presentation there on Catholic medicine and media. Uh, Father Peter Ryan will be uh, making a presentation on the uh, Catholic understanding of the person. And uh, what else goes on with these things? Uh, as I said, a lot of fellowship, yeah. really. Uh, I remember I've recounted this story many times, but Roger Anderberg, who was one of the founders of the local guild. Yeah, Roger's yeah, a friend. And yeah. he said to me, I think we need to keep coming so this keeps happening. Uh, because if we don't have these types of forums to get together and to connect, then they, they dissipate, then we lose any sense of the community around what is so important to us. You've got to show up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's you can't you can't draw on the um, support that is available to you uh, through fellowship if you're not participating in fellowship. You've right. got to show up. And we've become a we've become a society that doesn't join organizations anymore. Yeah. But some organizations are worth joining and yeah. worth supporting. And maybe I'm biased, but I think this is one of those organizations. Yeah. I agree. The Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association is inviting healthcare workers to the 25th annual Rose Mass Saturday, March 18th. This is the week uh, from tomorrow, right? It is, absolutely. And so uh, what I would say, if anyone is interested, if you... Uh, because it's only a week away, we only have about 24 more hours for people to sign up. Oh, so good heavens. If you want to seize this opportunity to hear Al Cresta, free-range Al Cresta, <laughs> uh, uh, then uh, sign up now. Uh, I think we have about 24 more hours. Very good. Uh, so you can uh, register at CMA Lansing. That's Catholic Medical Association. CMA Lansing at gmail.com. Uh, our Healthcare professionals 
not merely, not just Catholics, but are healthcare professionals generally feeling under siege? Yes, I, and it's it's one of those things where you know you. You read your provincial literature, right? You read the literature that's relevant to your field, and yeah. everything that you read now is about healthcare professionals being burned out and and uh, all of this. And you have to take it in context, because if I were in another field, perhaps accountants are equally as burned yeah. out or radio show hosts sure. or, or yeah. whatnot. But absolutely, and I think, I think COVID uh, took what was already brewing and just made it a lot worse. Uh, and some of it is not unique to being a Catholic healthcare professional. The distrust of science yeah. is there from either side. Yeah. Um, the distrust is there, and everybody feels that. Plus, you know, you have all of the economic models that make healthcare uh, a challenge, and all the administrative bureaucracy. And I think absolutely, healthcare professionals are feeling under siege from a lot of different areas. Yeah. Uh, is there? Um it's difficult to see uh, exactly how this uh, this problem is overcome. It may simply be a matter of time, but I I mean I, people continue to uh, people continue uh, their suspicion of the healthcare establishment, as they put it, and I don't see that that's changing. I think it comes down to. Trust and trust, as you know, is earned, yeah. not freely given. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, if I look at Emmaus, for example, I tell our patients that we are pro-vaccine because I think in most cases vaccines can save lives. Sure. So I view vaccines as a pro-life intervention. Not all of my patients would agree with that. Right. Um, but so. We accept them in the practice. We respect them. We don't change our philosophy, but we respect them. Yeah. And over time, um, I have had patients who, be, who have said, you know, I may not trust health care, but I trust you. Yeah. And, and if you're convinced that I should do this or that, then I may follow through. And so I think we just have to stick with it yeah. and develop the trust. Rusty, time is up. So thank you so much. Thank you, Al. I look forward to I look forward to hearing from you in a week. Thank you. CMF Curo is a Catholic healthcare ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from judging. Feast on loving. Fast from noise. Feast on silence. Fast from differences. Feast on unity. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ. 
Crescent in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization, Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 75% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US-1. That's realestateforlife.org. Thank you. And uh, I want to stress again that we've got the 25th Annual Rose Mass for Healthcare Workers taking place uh, on March 18th, uh, a week from tomorrow. It begins at 4.30 in the afternoon at Christ the King Catholic Church in Ann Arbor, and then we move on to the Fox Hills Country Club for dinner and a discussion. Father Peter Ryan uh, will be speaking. I'll also be speaking. Our focus will be the relationship between Catholic medicine and media, and uh, it's, the time is short uh, to register. I think today is the, is the closeout day. So you can register by going to CMA, Catholic Medical Association, Lansing, at gmail.com. That's CMA Lansing at gmail.com. And uh, look forward to ha- seeing you there. It's very important for uh, Catholics in particular fields to get together and support one another. Fellowship is very important. Uh, to sustain us in our callings. So that's coming up again a week from tomorrow at Christ the King Church in Ann Arbor, 4.30 for Mass, and then the Fox Hills Country Club for dinner and a discussion on the relationship between Catholic medicine and media. Coming up next hour, we take a look at Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. Peggy Stanton, my guest, and then Jay Richards on the penitential and healing discipline of fasting. I'm Al Creston. The doctor is in on Ave Maria Radio. This is Dr. Ray Gurendi. The question, is it normal, is not always a good question. The better question, is it right? Tune in to The Doctor is in. We'll help you sort that one out. We'll be doing the right thing. Dr. Ray Gurendi, weekdays at 1 on Ave Maria Radio. Where is the drama of prayer fully revealed? The Catholic Catechism tells us it is first revealed to us by observing Jesus Christ, the Word of God, in prayer. Then by hearing how He teaches us to pray in order to realize how He hears our prayer. Jesus learned to pray in His human heart under the guidance of His mother. He learns the rhythms of the prayers of his people in the synagogue at Nazareth and the temple in Jerusalem. But at the age of 12, he makes known that his prayer springs from an otherwise secret source, his relationship with God the Father. For example, he tells his earthly parents that he must be about his heavenly Father's business. Luke's Gospel emphasizes that before all the decisive moments of Jesus' mission, His baptism, his transfiguration, his passion, he prays, humbly committing his will to his fathers. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Food for the journey, sister and shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments, just 
spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good 